Hi, friends. Welcome to Unyielding, a podcast for Pathways to Hope Network. Our goal for this podcast is to connect with mothers of children facing the juvenile court system. We want to use this platform to give a voice to the challenges you're facing while you're learning to navigate the sometimes scary and uncertain world we enter when our child has been charged with a crime. For the next 30 or so minutes, we hope that you will feel seen and cared for. We hope that you are reminded of your value and that you leave a little stronger than you arrived. We hope you are reminded that you have sisters out here who silently walk beside you in solidarity. Most importantly though, we hope to honor the always beautiful, often heart-wrenching, unyielding love that a mother has for her child. Hi friends, welcome to episode 17, our final episode of season two. This season, we have primarily focused on a series of interviews with different people offering different perspectives. We've interviewed an honest mom in episode nine, an insightful pastor in episodes 10 and 11, a wise probation counselor in episode 12, a brave young man in episode 13 and 14, and a comforting counselor in episode 15 and 16. I am so grateful to all of our guests for coming on the show and sharing with this community. It's been a beautiful reinforcement of what it means to truly be stronger together. You know, when things are uncertain, our tendency is to isolate, but we need one another. We need the voice of others to speak life into the hard moments. And I hope that you felt that this season. I hope that you know that before we did our interviews, we prayed over you and your families, that you felt our love for you and the stories we shared and the guidance that was given. Above all, I I just hope that you, for a moment, felt a little less alone. There are many, many layers to the stories that we're living out right now. And my goal is always to convey that there is no magic formula to parenting through this season. There's no simple ABC or one, two, three plan that's going to end every struggle that you experience going forward. You know, instead, this journey is it's made up of a thousand single steps and each step is taken with courage and it's emboldened with hope and It requires only one thing from us, the commitment to keep showing up. And for this final episode in season two, I wanted to talk about trust. Now, some of you, upon hearing that word, are already thinking to yourself, I I can't trust my child right now. You know, they've made some choices that really have me questioning what they're thinking. Well, today we aren't talking about trusting them. Today, we're talking about trusting ourselves. Will you do me a favor and just take a deep breath with me? Just for a moment, let's remember when you brought home your baby for the very first time. When everything was new and you had this little person in your arms that depended on you for everything. For a while, the whole world revolved around figuring them out, didn't it? How often would they eat? 
How often would they sleep? Which cries meant they were hungry or hurt? And which ones meant they were fussy or tired? Your entire being became devoted to that little baby, whether you were ready for it or not. And over time, you read books about when to introduce solid foods and how much tummy time was needed because no one wants their child to have to endure that little helmet to reshape their head. You placed mobiles above them to help their eyes track. You placed toys just out of reach to encourage them to crawl. Their entire childhood, you prepared the path and then watched them reach milestone after milestone. You did your part, and they did theirs. But something happens when our child begins to outgrow the world that we created for them. When they begin to look outside the walls of our home for acceptance and belonging. When they travel beyond the boundaries of our yard to play. We get scared. And when we get scared, we lose trust in ourselves. We want so desperately for our children's lives to be free of hardship, disappointment, and regret that each and every time they take a step in that direction, be it big or small, we view it as a failure on our part. And slowly, those tiny perceived failures chip away at our confidence as parents. We second guess when to be loving and when to be stern when to help and when to let them be responsible, when to have high standards and when to accept them where they are. In so many ways, life seemed so much simpler when they were completely reliant on us. And it almost feels like a cruel joke what nature does to mothers, doesn't it? I mean, we have babies and our bodies are flooded with oxytocin, which bonds us to them. We're responsible for figuring out what they need every waking minute of the day. We nurture them and teach them and provide for them because on the deepest level, we accept that they have been entrusted to us. And then one day, teenagers, (laughs) that sweet little face that used to light up when they saw us now rolls their eyes and mumbles under their breath. And it feels like it happens overnight. I mean, is it any wonder that we feel like someone turned out the lights and we're fumbling around the room trying to figure out what we're supposed to do next? And I'm not trying to give teenagers a bad rap because I was one and I remember what those years were like. Fiercely independent while still relying on someone else to meet my needs, desperately seeking autonomy while not having learned enough yet about how the world really works. All I'm saying is that parenting them is hard. Can we all agree on that? It's really freaking hard. And you know what ironically seems to make it even harder? All of the advice So, so much advice. When I was raising my babies, I had one book, just one, what to expect, what to expect when I was expecting, what to expect during the first year, what to expect during the toddler years. One book 
laid out month by month with milestones and things to consider and helpful Q&As. It was a beautiful thing, all compartmentalized and structured. And now, well, now it's a much different story. When I type what to expect during the teen years into Google's search engines, my results come back in 0.56 seconds. That's less than half a second, and the exhaustive list that files in before me has, are you ready for this? 132 million results. 132 million. What to Expect the Toddler Years was 900 pages. The entire toddler years in 900 pages. Teen years? 132 million sites offering countless opinions, tips, behaviors, guides, and it feels like each click of the mouse only digs me deeper into a pit of dread and despair. Why? Well, let's take a look at some of this well-meaning advice that's out there, shall we? Want to have a healthy, thriving teen? Well, it's simple. You only need to set firm rules and boundaries, be flexible with rules and boundaries, communicate like a parent, communicate like a friend, spend quality time together, but give them their space. Avoid talking down to them. Let them experience consequences. Focus on things that matter. Don't have difficult conversations when you're angry. Support their interests and passions. Eat meals together. Recognize good behavior and habits. Set a positive example. Don't compare them with others. Stay involved, but respect their privacy. Encourage self-care. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Try to make sure you're there after school. Keep your standards high. Oh, make sure your standards are realistic. Have family meetings. Keep electronics in a common space. Respect their views. Make time to talk and listen. Let kids feel guilty. Don't try to make your kids feel guilty. Teach them responsibility. Don't foster helplessness. And the list goes on and on and on. These tips came from three of the 132 million available. Okay, so another deep breath. Perspective. Say it with me. Perspective. That's what we have here. The teen years are complex. 132 million sites confirm once again that there is no A, B, C, or one, two, three order to the teen years. There's a myriad of possibilities, directions, and ways that you can navigate them, and it is not a one-size-fits-all. We cannot believe that because Caroline's daughter, Amber, from down the street, plays volleyball and is in AP classes, that she must have it somehow figured out and we don't. 
We cannot buy into the idea that Matt from the office and his beautiful wife, Sheena, are better parents because their son, Nathan, has plans to fulfill his lifelong dream of becoming a Marine when he graduates in June. Each of our children are unique. Each of them has their struggles and their gifts. Each one of them is going to make decisions that momentarily throw their parents' world into a tailspin and have them questioning where they went wrong. But here's the thing. You're never going to hear about it. You'll never hear about Amber's self-harm or Nathan's addiction to internet porn because these families will do exactly what we are doing. They'll worry, they'll research, they'll pray, all in isolation. See, just because you won't hear about it doesn't mean it isn't happening. Every teen deals with their own version of crisis, and every family does their best to get them through it. You guys, we have to tear down this ridiculous evaluation we've set up for ourselves where we get to determine how we are measuring up as parents based on how our child is doing. It's a lie. We stack the scale with each perceived failure over and over, and then we wonder where we lost our joy. And what can we possibly bring to the table for our children when we are constantly second-guessing our ability to parent these kiddos in this season? So then, how do we move forward? How do we sift through all of the information out there, the advice of well-meaning friends and relatives, the quiet whispers in our hearts? the demands of our children, and how do we find the truth, find our truth? Well, I think it starts with values. The undercurrent of every parenting decision you have made up until now is formed from a value, something you believed was important. It's a principle, a standard of behavior, a judgment of what you believe is important in life. When you taught your child to share, it was based on the value of generosity. If you taught your child to say please or thank you, it was based on the value of respect. Taking some time to consider which values you believe will best set them up for success gives you a framework to operate from. It brings in order. It's the compass on this journey. The true north when you get turned around. It's the direction of your steering, the position of the rudder. Need any more travel metaphors? Okay, I got one more. It's the GPS on an airplane. You know, storms, they may come in and weather patterns may require a change in course, but the destination always remains the same. This is the truth of our values. See, when we make decisions based on our emotions, what our kids want, what other people think, what we worry other people will think, or even based off what the experts say, our decisions are circumstantial, and they often leave us questioning if we did the right thing. Were we too firm, or we should have given a little leniency? Were we trying to please our child instead of preparing them? 
But when we use our values as the foundation of our parenting decisions, then it's much easier to find the answer we're looking for while we stay true to what we know to be important. And and people get their values from many different places. Some come from our families of origin, some from society, others come from religion, and they even come from our experiences. They are part of our unconscious mind, the programming that's always running in the background that we never seem to notice, the building blocks of who we are and every decision we make. Here's just a few as a reference point. Honesty, faith, compassion, humility, accountability, dependability, respect for self and others, perseverance, love, courage, joy, decisiveness. These are just a few, but there are many, many more. In fact, the list can be a little bit overwhelming. My suggestion would be to spend some time after this podcast thinking about what values are most important to you that you would like to have influence passing on to your child, and then pick your top three. Now, side note on this little project, all right, there's a high likelihood that when you sit down to think about this, your brain is going to default to thinking about where you believe your child is lacking. Those are the things that are going to stand out the most here. If it drives you crazy that your child always blames others, you're likely going to think about the value of accountability. If every time your child talks back, you feel your blood boil, then you're probably going to think of respect. And it's totally fine. Nothing at all wrong with that. But perhaps upon further reflection, you might begin thinking of other values that you wish to spend your time and energy instilling, like patience or humor. Maybe you could choose one that your child could use some help with and two that you know have served you well. There's really no wrong way of doing it. But once you have your three values in place, write them down and put them where you'll see them daily, on a mirror, on your fridge, on your phone. Set a reoccurring alarm on your phone to go off every day at a certain time. These three values become guiding tracks on how we move forward. To better explain the concept of using the values, I'm going to share mine. Okay, so I've been focused on the same three for a couple of years now, but sometimes I'll change them up for a while if I feel like one of my other values is being neglected. My big three when it comes to guiding my family are respect, acceptance and love, and safety. Now, I'm not sure how they came about, but something inside me always feels a deeper pull to move when one of these is compromised. And that's usually how you can tell what one of your big three are going to be. It's it's kind of like where you know that there's that line in the sand that, you know, you just don't, you don't have any patience for people crossing over. It just rubs you a certain way. And here's how it works. When I feel myself reacting to a situation or when I know I need to make a decision regarding my teen, I'll check in with my big three. So if the situation I'm reacting to is in conflict with any of these values, then I know that my reaction should align with the value and what I believe is important about it, okay? So for instance, when one of my children raises their voice at me, I almost instantly feel a switch flip inside me. 
Respect is one of my big three. And so when I feel like my child is crossing that line, my inner knowing will not let it pass without being addressed. So in the scenario of a raised voice or a disrespectful tone, the way I address it usually sounds like this. Okay, hang on just a second. It's not okay for you to be disrespectful in the way you speak to me. I'm not disrespecting you, so I appreciate the same in return. Now, go ahead. What were you saying? I'm simply making a point and then allowing the conversation to continue. When it comes to respect, this is something that I've done with them their entire lives. And it's not going to stop the outbursts from occurring, but it's setting up the boundary that I need in order to honor this value. If the disrespect continues or creeps back into the conversation, then, you know, I'll say something like, I can see you're upset right now, so let's hit pause and come back to this conversation when we've both calmed down. Because I know that their disrespect is going to fire something up in me, and I know that that, the direction of that conversation is not where I want this to go because it's going to end up coming in conflict with another one of my values, which is love and acceptance. So I just hit pause on the conversation. And nothing else changes in the situation. So we're, we're whatever is going on uh, around it is still happening around it. We're just hitting pause on the conversation and we're putting it on hold. And then I always make sure that I do, in fact, go back and have that conversation. And 99% of the time, it's easily resolved once everyone's calmed down. Another way the values help guide us is in our decision-making. For instance, let's take my value of safety. My son recently got into a car accident. Luckily, everyone was okay, but of course my nerves, they're a bit rattled, right? The other day he came to me and he asked me if he could go pick up a friend and go out and do something. Well, my mama heart wanted to say yes, because there's a part of me that knows that that accident could easily have happened to me. He wasn't being negligent. It was just an accident. But my value for safety was in contradiction. It's too soon. On a deeper level, I know we need some space to ensure that he's truly being safe and practicing defensive driving before we start allowing others to ride with him. It doesn't necessarily make the decision easier, but it does help me know that I'm doing what I believe is right and best because it ties into my values. Does that make sense? And finally, there's number three in my big three, which is love and acceptance. And for this one, we can use, you know, the same scenario as before. Let's take my son's car accident. After hearing about the accident, my main concern, of course, was whether or not he was okay. But once I knew he was, I was pretty upset with him. My mind chatter went into hyper overdrive. And I was thinking like, how many times have I said, watch out for the gravel on the road? Like, how fast was he going? Great. Like, now our rates are going to go up. Um, what did I tell him about overcorrecting? We had this conversation a million times. And with each thought, I could feel my anger and disappointment in him rising. I'm going to be honest at the risk of sounding like a horrible parent here, but I wanted to yell at him, like yell, mostly because... I think it probably would have made me feel better just to release all of the feelings that I had inside me, but also because I wanted him to get the message that he needed to do better. But love and acceptance is in my big three. It's super important to me for my kids to know that whatever happens, I love them. 
and they are perfectly acceptable the way they are, even if I don't agree with the choices that they've made or the direction they're headed. So in that moment, that value guided my response. I didn't follow what was in my gut. I followed what was in my heart. Instead of allowing anger to lead, I allowed compassion. And I found another way to deal with those emotions of disappointment and frustration that I was feeling. If you've read our blogs or listened to this podcast, you know that my main purpose is to shift your attention away from what you can't control onto what you can. And your big three is a great place to start. Because here's the thing. I don't care if there are 500 million sites out there with information about how to parent your teen. No one, listen, no one is more equipped than you are. You are their mama. You are the one who has seen every struggle, wiped every tear, cheered at every concert or game. You are the one who snapped every picture, comforted every nightmare. You're the one who watched them learn to do math and read their first words. You know what foods they love and what they avoid at all costs. You're the one who's seen them overcome the challenge of hurt feelings. And even if you don't recognize who they are in this moment because they are lost in a world trying to figure that out for themselves, you still know them better than anyone else on earth. And that's better than any information you can find in a what to expect book. Trust in that and trust yourself because in the end, this parenting journey is not about getting our children to adulthood untouched by the influence of this world. That's just not possible. It's about sending them the consistent message that we always want the best for them and that with us, they are loved and safe. So take time today to think about your big three and write them down. If you're having trouble finding the right word to identify a value you hold, I'll include a link in the show notes to a document on our resource page that has 230 personal core values that could be helpful or completely overwhelming. You be the judge. To wrap up this final episode of season two, I wanted to read you something special. This is called The Wholehearted Parenting Manifesto, and it was written by Brene Brown. I know, I know, I love me some Brene Brown. She just always has a way to speak to my heart. And I'm trying to recall if I've ever read this on a podcast before. It's highly possible that I have. Um, so excuse me if you've already heard it, but perhaps you need to hear it again. Anyway, um, in her book, Daring Greatly, she explains why she developed this parenting manifesto. And she says, I wrote the following parenting manifesto because I need it. Steve and I need it. Putting down the measuring stick in a culture that uses acquisitions and accomplishments to assess worth is not easy. I use the manifesto as a touchstone, a prayer, and a meditation when I'm wrestling with vulnerability or when I've got that never enough fear. 
It reminds me of a finding that changed and probably saved my life. Who we are and how we engage with the world are much stronger predictors of how our children will do than what we know about parenting. So here it is, the Wholehearted Parenting Manifesto. It's so good. Okay. Above all else, I want you to know that you are loved and lovable. You will learn this from my words and actions. The lessons on love are in how I treat you and how I treat myself. I want you to engage with the world from a place of worthiness. You will learn that you are worthy of love, belonging, and joy every time you see me practice self-compassion and embrace my own imperfections. We will practice courage in our family by showing up, letting ourselves be seen, and honoring vulnerability. We will share our stories of struggle and strength. There will always be room in our home for both. We will teach you compassion by practicing compassion with ourselves first, then with each other. We will set and respect boundaries. We will honor hard work, hope, and perseverance. Rest and play will be family values as well as family practices. You will learn accountability and respect by watching me make mistakes and make amends and by watching how I ask for what I need and talk about how I feel. I want you to know joy so together we will practice gratitude. I want you to feel joy so together we will learn how to be vulnerable. When uncertainty and scarcity visit, you will be able to draw from the spirit that is a part of our everyday life. Together we will cry and face fear and grief. I will want to take away your pain, but instead, I will sit with you and teach you how to feel it. We will laugh and sing and dance and create. We will always have permission to be ourselves with each other. No matter what, you will always belong here. As you begin your wholehearted journey, the greatest gift that I can give to you is to live and love with my whole heart and to dare greatly. I will not teach or love or show you anything perfectly, but I will let you see me and I will always hold sacred the gift of seeing you, truly, deeply seeing you. Oh my gosh. Goosebumps every time. I'll be sure to drop that in the show notes below as well. And with that, I'm going to leave you with these words one final time. Who you are and how you engage with the world are much, much stronger predictors of how your child will do than what you know about parenting. Remember, this is a long game. Keep going. You got this. Okay, friends. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Thanks so much for listening to Unyielding. I really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way today. If you did, could you show some love to this community of mamas by leaving a review and subscribing? 
You know how lonely this journey can be. And when you leave positive reviews and subscribe, it makes a big difference in helping other struggling moms out there find us. Oh, and don't forget to check out Pathways to Hope Network's website. The link will always be in the show notes below, where you can access an ever-growing library of resources, like a list of local and national resources that may be helpful, a page entirely devoted to frequently asked questions, as well as our blogs that cover a variety of topics. When you visit the page, remember to subscribe so you're added to our monthly newsletter designed to encourage and educate you throughout this process and beyond. You also receive access to our closed Facebook group community, where we break down this podcast even deeper. Just a reminder, our closed group is a small group of parents just like you that understands what it's like to have a child going through the juvenile justice system. Take advantage of this opportunity to be part of a safe space where families can come together to talk about their struggles, help answer questions, and provide judgment-free encouragement. You can also find our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, where we post five days a week, posts designed to help keep you fighting. Remember, family is like life. It's a fight for territory, and once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. Until next week, friends, remember we are stronger together.